to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. We are back after a long hiatus. We have not podcasted since, oh, I guess it's coming out of the bye into that Giants game. And since then, things have been interesting, to say the least. The Eagles go through a four-game losing streak. Uh, But this past Sunday in Philadelphia managed to overcome all odds in several ways. Um, So the Eagles are coming off of a win uh, against the coming into the game, 10-2 and New Orleans Saints. Um, and the Eagles started their second round draft pick 53 overall, uh, Jalen hurts out of Oklahoma. And, uh, I think we can all agree. He was, he was a pretty overwhelming success in his first outing, uh, in a spot, the narrative last week, we were talking right before the podcast was that he was being sort of thrust into this really undesirable spot against such a vaunted defense. And, uh, obviously he came out a winner and had a, had a great performance, um, to me, what we heard about Jalen Hurts, what was advertised is what stuck out to me first, the run game. Uh, he was 18 for 106. This is the most ru- rushing yards uh, from Eagles quarterback since Michael Vick in the Miracle of Meadowlands 2 uh, game. And uh, under pressure against the Blitz, uh, he threw for 82 yards and a touchdown. In particular, that back shoulder fade to Alshon Jeffrey, uh, he got rocked on. Hurts got absolutely creamed on that play and got it off just in time. Um, you know, to me, the entire team sort of responded to Hertz being around. Um, I saw lots of other players, one of whom we're going to talk about in our next topic, uh, shine even more than they had already. Um, the, even the defense, the special teams, there just seemed to be a, a spark, as it's been said um, in, uh, in Sports Talk Radio and, and, and in articles this week that Hertz brought to the team. But I'll leave it with this. This was the first time this year I enjoyed watching an Eagles game. This was the first time in 2020 that I genuinely, you know, the first game of the year had had uh, Mike and Maddie over and, uh, we, you know, we were able to, to kind of hang and have a good time. But obviously the game result was not what we wanted. Um, the first half was fun. But beyond there, pretty much since that first half of the Washington game, it's been no fun since then. And this, this game was really the first glimpse. So I'm going to turn it out to everybody here. And I'd like you to touch on your reaction to Jalen Hurts and maybe specifically, what do you view as being the main reason for his success in this spot that he came into uh, with a three, eight and one team facing a 10 and two team with the best defense in the league. I'm joined tonight, by the way, by Andrew, Mike and Matt. So uh, Andrew, I'll throw it to you first. What do you, what do you make of Jalen Hurts? Why do you think he was so successful this past Sunday? Um, I think obviously his ability to scramble is, is a weapon. And, um, I think I even sent this to you guys, but you know, it, it helps mask a lot of the issues that I think are probably still there with this team, especially with the wide receivers, but man, he looked good. Uh, he looked good running the ball. Um, he looked good in the pocket. He looked poised. Um, I don't know if that's because he had a couple of weeks to sit back and watch and maybe get a little bit acclimated. Um, Maybe he sensed that this was coming because Carson was playing so poorly, um, but he he definitely looked looked confident back there. Um, and when he was able to, what 
when he was able to run, whether it was designed or it was because, you know, the, the defense was getting home. Um, he's so, he's so quick. He's so much quicker than, than Carson. Carson still, you know, has the ability to run, but he looks like he's running in molasses compared to, to Hertz and Hertz can run left, right, and center. You saw him break, you know, there, there wasn't a, uh, an area of the field that he couldn't make a play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, getting thrown in there against uh, what was, I think, a top five, top three defense. Um, and, you know, the passing yards weren't there, but he didn't really make any mistakes. The fumble, of course, um, you know, and maybe a bad throw here and there, but, you know, he threw the ball away that we haven't seen. We haven't seen Carson do that all year. Um, he ran when he needed to. We haven't seen Carson do that all year. Um, and he made some good throws. He threw on the numbers. He, he allowed his receivers to catch it and not just fall down. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was nice to see. And I mean, I think some credit does have to go to Doug. Um, I think Doug was better. Yeah. Doug was better this week. Plain and simple. And I, you know, I don't know if it's just that the offense, the style of offense fits hurts better now than Carson or, Carson was given to the reins too much. And every time at the line, he would, you know, kill, kill, kill. That's all you heard. And maybe he was just making wrong decisions. Maybe the play going in was right. And then Carson messed the play up. So I don't know. There's some confusion there and, and some rethinking on is Doug as bad of a play caller as we think um, is, is Carson as bad as we think. Um, but, you know, we can get into those all day, but let, let's keep the focus on, on Jalen Hurts who, um, in his first start showed, uh, I think, a lot of potential, a lot of poise and gave, gave us some confidence. The poise would be that main reason for you? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, his ability to scramble is a weapon, but I, I was very pleased with his, with his poise in the pocket. pocket and I want to open it up. I like your distinction, though, Andrew, as Carson, and, and I think Russell Wilson might fall into the same category as being more of a, and I've heard other people describe it this way, maybe Adam Kaplan and some others, that they're scramblers versus someone like a runner like Hertz or who they're facing this, this weekend in Kyler Murray. Mike, what were your reactions to Jalen Hurts' performance against the Saints? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, glad to be here, boys. Glad we're getting to talk about the birds. <laughs> finally, finally, a uh, as Chris said earlier, a really fun game to watch. Um, really fun game to uh, partake in. After, you know, the end of the first half, you kind of had this feeling like, I think the Eagles got this. Um, but main reason for Hurt's success, I guess I'll piggyback off poise which is what Andrew said, and I'll, I'll just say pocket awareness. Um, Hertz really, really had a good sense of where pressure was coming from. You saw him scramble outside of the pocket a lot, which gave more time to either find a receiver or make the decision to just throw it away. And, um, I, you know, I think ultimately his completion percentage, it's I don't think it was anything like necessarily better than what Carson Wentz has put up this year, but he wasn't making decisions to throw a ball in tight windows or whatnot. His pack, when he did pass the ball, it, it was a good decision with an open receiver that he was hitting, or if he, he did throw the ball away a lot. So um, he took care of the ball and he had that pocket awareness. Um, Maddie, do you want me to uh, throw that to you? Yeah. Uh... 
Great to be back, guys. Great to be back. Chris, it's funny enough that you bring up the Washington game, first game of the season, because like the Washington game, we jump out to an early 17-0 lead. This time, we hold on to the lead. We we win, and we win uh, against a big team, 10-2 uh, Saints. Uh, so it, it was it was great to see uh, the win. So I, I think the reason why we see so much success out of Jalen Hurts in uh, in this first game is uh, Saints really didn't know what to game plan for as well. Uh, you know, not a lot of tape. I know we've said it uh, before. Uh, and I, I think that helped us a lot jump out to that early lead. Um, you know, his speed was a factor. He had three scan scrambles four 45 yards and four design runs for 30 yards. Also, I want to bring up the uh, Miles Sanders 82 yard touchdown run. Uh, that was a run option that froze the linebackers because they didn't know if uh, Hertz was going to run the ball himself at that point in the game. Uh, yes. We are going to talk about this too, Maddie, uh, the effect of Jalen Hurts on Miles Sanders as a next topic. But yeah, continue on this. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, so I I know we will touch on that in a bit, but that just goes to my point about game planning. They didn't know how to game plan it. And because they didn't know how to game plan it, it's a half a second to a second uh, more reaction time, which led us to that uh, early 17 nothing lead in the first half. Uh, I also got to give props to the offensive line. Uh, I thought he had a pretty clean pocket early on. Chris? Real quick, I wanted to jump in um, a point that Mike made uh, in terms of knowing where the rush is. That's such a, that was a really good point because how many times did we see Carson back there? Not to, again, uh, not to, to bring up the comparison, but it's going to happen. He, he never seemed to feel the pressure, even if it was coming on his strong side. Um, so I think you brought up a great point and Hertz being able to feel that and maybe the, you know, just a better sense of, of, of that. Agree. Yeah. yeah. Chris, Go I was going to say, Chris, Chris, you know, uh, brought up Russell Wilson and honestly, after that first game, I haven't heard too many people directly comparing him to Russell Wilson, but the way that he rolled out of the pocket, um, quite a bit to extend some of those pass plays it just seemed very Russell Wilson-esque. Um, and Doug confirmed in the, um, you know, in the week after the game that those aren't designed rollouts. That's, that's him feeling the pressure and, you know, just making a play with his legs to extend the play. Uh, I think that's very Russell Wilson-esque. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if ultimately he is um, more of a passer or more of a runner um, in terms of making that comparison down the road. Chris? Matt, did you have something real quick before I, I mention one more thing about Hertz? Yeah, Mike, I did not see that because I, I was going to bring up the fact they looked designed, how flawlessly he was able to uh, get out into the flats. And a lot of teams have had success of rolling out their quarterback like that. Uh, Baker Mayfield a few weeks ago did it a lot against the Eagles. So it's interesting to hear that Doug came out and said, no, that was just uh, – him doing that on his own, uh, rolling outs and finding the open receiver. Chris? Yeah, so, I mean, realistically, you know, Hurts, Hurts to me is, is successful last weekend because of his decisiveness. 
And to me, that's the thing that I can relate to Russell Wilson. I think Hertz is a completely different kind of athlete. Um, to me, he looks like a different player. He runs like a different player, but what's similar about him and Russell Wilson is that decisiveness of like, okay, I'm gone. Now I think his mentality as a thrower is pretty unilateral. He looks at one read and if it's not there, he takes off. And if he takes off and there's pressure, he throws it away. But either way, there's kind of decisiveness at every check mark there. And that's something that we really haven't seen from Wentz. And that's been uh, a struggle. And part of it is new personnel, but a lot of this is new to Jalen Hurts too, all of it. So you have to figure that when you're seeing other players succeed, when you're seeing Jalen Hurts trust uh, and throw that ball across the field to Jalen Rager or, you know, create a pressure in um, uh, to the defense where there's uh, an option for him to keep the ball or hand it off to Miles Sanders and the linebackers being genuinely threatened, don't read the play right. And Miles Sanders rips off an 82 yarder, his third of 70 plus uh, over 2020. I mean, this is having an effect on, the offense in kind of a global way uh, because of the threat he's posing. Andrew. Um, I love that we're already comparing him to Russell, Russell Wilson. That's just such a Philly thing to do, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, that's maybe too over the top. I think the decisiveness, he was just, he was so clear well, in what he was doing. Wait, hold on. And to, to that point, to the decisiveness, um, you know, Doug wasn't, raining praise and I think that was a little frustrating in the post game like you know support Jalen but he did come out and say um that Jalen did everything that we asked him to do and so I think that's exactly to your point is he was decisive they probably schemed plays they said here's your read here's your one progression or one two progression if it's not there make a decision and they you know trusted him to make those decisions and uh to your point I think he did uh, a great job at that Mike, do you want to defend your I mean, yeah, let, I, from Matt's point? Yeah, let me, yeah, let me just pump the brakes and, and say, by no means is there a comparison right now between <laughs> I think Russell, Wilson, Russell Wilson and, and Jalen Hurts. The only thing that I was saying, it was a similar thing you would see in Russell Wilson's game, Wilson's game to be able to, on a play where Carson typically would you know, just take a sack or a loss um, of yardage, he was able to extend the pass play roll to the outside, continue looking downfield, um, and ultimately make the decision to either throw it away or find the open receiver. That, that, that was the only comparison. No. They are not the same players. No. I'm busting balls. It's been, it's been a few weeks. Take, I it, been take, able it, to take away from this territory. And speaking of open receivers, Mike, he hit eight of them. Uh, eight different Eagles uh, caught the ball on Sunday. Uh, two running backs, uh, two tight ends. Uh, he got down to Quez Watkins, even got involved. So he, he really did spread the ball around there, and it was good to see. Yes, uh, definitely <laughs> we're don't, jumping to conclusions there with Russell Wilson. But uh, if, if you do go back to the draft, that's what everyone was comparing him to. So uh, you're not far off, but let's give it some time. I, I do agree with that. So across the board, we're excited, but I think a theme of this podcast will also be that this has kind of been a small sample size. It was a tremendous performance, but we kind of need to see it uh, over more time to, to really engage what is going to be a much bigger um, conundrum for the Eagles, uh, including the fact that uh, I will give him some credit, Howie Roseman had the foresight uh, of this situation, which we'll talk about it another time. Let's talk about one of those weapons though that Matt mentioned uh, and that's Miles Sanders. So to me, Miles has had really an all over the place kind of a year. 
um, because we've seen these unbelievable performances. And then we've also seen him drop passes, uh, fumble the ball in crucial situations. I can think of uh, the game against the Browns. They're driving down the field. He's running it down their throat and then he fumbles it. Um, the game against the Rams, that fumble was killer. But ultimately in this game, he goes 14 for uh, 115 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and he was four for 21 receiving. Um, he has more 70 plus runs than any running back in the league. Um, I believe he has more 70 plus runs already than any uh, Eagle running back. Uh, Rube had this up the other day. I can't remember. It's going back to like the fifties though. Like just a crazy uh, stat. Either way, I think we've seen him uh, have some drawbacks this year, but we've also really seen the best of Miles Sanders, uh, at least in his skill set. But my question to you all to turn it back out into discussion is, do you think his skill set is most effective or best complemented by a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, uh, who poses that kind of running threat? I mean, that 82 yard play that might, uh, excuse me, that Matt highlighted, uh, that's a perfect example of that indecisiveness that the defense is feeling uh, and Hurts ability to say, you know what, Miles, just take this one uh, and him break it off. So I don't know what, what you feel about that. And, and it's not a question of was Carson Wentz limiting, but is Miles Sanders from what you've seen, is he most effective in those situations? Cause he's running wide open from what I see, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I don't think there is enough evidence to say that um, or to suggest that Miles is better um, individually because of Jalen Hurts, but to Matt's point earlier, um, you know, on the read option that broke that play. And I think it probably a couple others, it certainly gave the, the defense um, more to think about to allow miles to succeed. Um, I think we need to hold miles accountable for the fumbles. Uh, I do. I think they're, they are an issue um, plain and simple. However, the guy is a, a, a game changer. He can be dominant. He's always ready. He, he can always break that. 50, 60, 80 yard run. And I think you need to rely on him and you'll live with the, you'll live with the struggles of that, but he, sh he does deserve to be held accountable for that. But um, yeah, I mean, legit I think, home run hitter though, legit yeah. home run hitter. Yeah. And so you, that's why we've been clamoring all year to, you know, Doug run the ball. We see what happens when he gets touches. Um, I don't know how many catches he had this game, but I think he did have a few. Four for 21. Um, four for 21. So that's, that's valuable too. And I think the, the mere fact that Jalen Hurts can throw an accurate screen pass is trem adds tremendous value to Miles. So again, you know, sample size small, too early to, to really say if Hurts is the singular reason why. Um, Miles could have uh, an expanded uh, impact on the game, but, you know, last game didn't lie. So Matt, what do you think? Chris, I think it's a great question. I think that Hertz's playing style is going to help any running back in that situation. Uh, just because you have to account for him because of his speed, because of his ability to run, because of his ability to juke, uh, hit the hole himself. Uh, I think any running back is going to benefit. And since Miles Sanders is a very talented running back, I, I think they will be a successful tandem together. Um, Andrew, I, I do agree with you. Uh, the fumbles are concerning. I don't think I'm going to hold him as accountable in his sophomore season. Uh, he had, it looks like, two fumbles uh, in his rookie year, three fumbles so far. Uh, the one in the uh, 
Cleveland game uh, was was tough as they were driving on the the first uh, the first drive there and uh, looked like they were going to score. Uh, but I, I think he's doing enough where I'm not holding three fumbles on the season um, uh, as as a, a big thing to worry about yet. Uh, you know, the the guy still has a hundred and. I'm sorry, 890 yards from scrimmage this season after missing a few games. Uh, he will hit, hopefully hit that 1,000-mark yards from scrimmage. Um, he had over 1,300 last year. Uh, the guy's productive, and uh, I like where we drafted him, his productivity through two years. So I'm happy with his performance, and I think with – Hurts back there as the quarterback, uh, they will complement each other nicely. Mike? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with what everybody has said so far. The only thing, what, how far was Hertz's, um home run run on that? Does anybody remember? Miles? Miles? Yeah, sorry, Miles. 82. 82 yards. All right, it's 82 yards. Um, that means... Yeah, Mike. Hit, that means he had 30. Yeah. yeah, no, the other thing I, I just wanted to point out, uh, he had 14 rushes in the game. So for 13 of those rushes, he accumulated 33 yards. I do think some of Miles' stats this year are getting distorted by some of these home run plays that he's had. Um, and just something to watch out for. Like, obviously, if he can just do, you know, hit a home run every game and score a touchdown, that's huge. That's a huge element for your football team. But um his his you know yards per rush is a little skewed because of that like you bring up a really good point man and i think it it almost hits like a kind of a philosophical point for teams is like well do you want this kind of running back who's going to consistently get you four or do you want this kind of running back who's going to you know have games where he's kind of dinking and dunking then all of a sudden he's going to break one I, i was trying to think back today of a running back that the Eagles have had who have, who's had these kind of runs. I think LaShawn McCoy is the first one who comes to mind in, in recent memory. <clears throat> and I remember him having some long runs where he juked out multiple people, but his jukes are what I remember and getting some open field, you know, um, gaining tons of yards after a catch here or there. But these things from miles, this is different. He's a different breed. And I, I think, you know, the Eagles might have to look at the rest of the running game, but Mike brings up a really good point. Miles has really shined in these situations where the Eagles have desperately needed something in the Steelers game, in this game, where he's just breaking off a really long run, um, almost in a place where it's not expected from a fan point of view. This week, I was like, whoa, um, I, when that happened, I was just because I expected Hurts to keep it. Like Matt said, he sold it really well. So I, I think it, it really brings up an interesting point. I'll say one more thing about Miles, who, who I think we can all agree had a great performance this past weekend. And if we see it repeated against the Cardinals, and we'll talk about that game coming up, then we'll really know that there might be something to it. But still, a bigger sample size is needed. So in the game leading, or sorry, in the week leading up to the game against the Saints, <clears throat> Miles was asked about his matchup with Malcolm Jenkins. They spent a season together, both as Eagles and now Malcolm Jenkins is with the Saints. And they said, how do you, you know, how do you like your, your chances in this matchup? And Miles said, I like me. And if you watch on that 82 yard run, when he gets to the second level, Jenkins gets in his face and he just stiff arms. It's so, uh, that was great. All right, moving on. Uh, I want to just mention, I think Jalen Rager also looks uh, a little bit more in the form that he was drafted to be. Uh, maybe that's the, the simplest way to put it. 
he was making plays both vertically and horizontally, which I think is <clears throat> the skill set that I saw that probably appealed to the Eagles to qualify him as a, as a first round pick. I think as we watch Jalen Hurts have success and hopefully that continues this weekend, we have to watch these other weapons. If, if Rager's the, the sort of optimal receiving weapon, if Sanders is the optimal running weapon and they're made better by this guy, we have to consider that uh, coming into that, you know, conundrum podcast that we'll talk about hopefully in the off season, but uh, moving on to the rest of the offense, the uh, offensive line, uh, zero sacks allowed in this game, really impressive in the 13th variation of this lineup. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, also a testament to Jalen Hurts' escapability factor. Absolutely. And, and a testament I'll say as well, this was a point for later, but to Jeff Statlin, who's the O-line coach coaching this many different combinations of players um, with a real mix of, absolute rookies and, and, you know, one or maybe another veteran. Um, but unfortunately in this game, I think it was actually in the first quarter. I could be wrong about that. Uh, Jack Driscoll sprained his MCL, I believe it is, and will be out uh, for the remainder of the year. Um, if I'm right about that and it was the first quarter, he played through another three quarters against this uh, Saints defense that was ranked so highly. And obviously uh, Cam Jordan, uh, teed off against uh, Jack Driscoll a couple times and, and really wasn't effective throughout the day. And that was the big narrative coming into the week that the Saints defense was going to sort of eat uh, against the offensive line of the Eagles, but they managed to pull it off. Unfortunately, without Driscoll this weekend, and we'll get to this coming up, the Eagles are going to be in a spot where they have another guy coming in. I'm hearing it's going to be Matt Pryor at right tackle. So we'll see. And we'll get to that. But um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Jake Elliott. Now we've already dubbed one of the Eagles players with a nickname on this podcast, Matt earlier in the season dubbed Nate, Jerry, Nathan geriatric. And we were referring to, to him that way throughout podcasts because of his poor play uh, that resembled an elderly man. But uh, we have been sort of referring to our kicker, Jake Elliott by a certain name in our text. And um, I think it's probably the most appropriate way to say this name, like the cleanest way, really. I mean, we haven't gotten uh, too bad with it, but we've been calling him Wienerface. And the reason for this is because uh, he has repeatedly this year disappointed uh, in spots where the Eagles needed uh, just a short kick, an extra point. Uh, and he was given a lot of money by uh, Howie Roseman to deliver and has not done so. He is the highest paid worst rated kicker uh, in the NFL. He missed a 22 yarder in this game that would have put the Eagles up 20 to nothing at half. Um, this one really drove me crazy. And I think part of it was that things were going so well. And I thought, man, this is just, this is like unbelievable how this is going right now. They're going to be up 20 to nothing at half. And then that happened. And I thought, Oh, there it is. There's that thing that I know that always winds up happening one way or another. Chris, so yeah. If I, if, if I may, you know, some people, uh, if they're listening, they may say, ah, you know, calling Jake Elliott Wienerface, that's mean. Um, why do you guys do that? Why do you, get, why do you guys got to hate? Um, this has been a rough season, you know, to be an Eagles fan. And to be honest, watching him kick and, and just he's, – he's, he's missed countless kicks that have been close and just like his performances here has been awful. I think we can all agree, agree on that. It's just easier to dub him as a random, stupid name like Wienerface so that at least something can be consistent because his kicking can't. 
Well, let's kick it back to you. It's it's also the look on his face after the miss. It's like, oh, I think that's. I, I thought that was why. Yeah. What happened? It's, what happened? It's, been, it's been really. It's been brutal, and the timing. The timing of his misses has been really brutal, and you know, obviously, the sixty-one yarder uh, in twenty seventeen is what many people think sort of was the beginning of the Eagles' run toward the Super Bowl, but uh, you have to hope because of the contract situation that this guy's just having a bad year, that he's not a bad kicker. Uh, and the Eagles haven't been duped here um, because they're locked in, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I think they gave him such a uh, abnormally big contract for a kicker uh, because he he had shown uh, consistency. And if you don't have to think about bringing in a kicker for a couple of years, then that's a huge value add. Um, he is a, a, as challenging and and um, uh, maddening of a season that he has had. He is ten for ten. Uh, on field goals, uh, I think it's between 30 and 50 or four, maybe 49. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I feel, and it's almost like I feel confident when he is kicking a longer field goal than, than I am. Like, I thought it was going to be a miss that kick before half. It was too close. Like it, it didn't feel right. And he knew it didn't feel right. It's um, too close. Is but Andrew, yeah, like, come on. Like, <laughs> hold on. Oh, it's too that's close. Oh, he's too close to the goal there. When you watch a game involving the Ravens and Justin Tucker walks up, you don't even think about it. He's a rare breed. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is like in major league when the fans in the outfield say, oh, you hit it too high. And the ball, the ball, the ball doesn't fly out of the park. He's like, too high? What yeah. the fuck? Like, too yeah. close? No, I, I, I Sorry, get it, but <laughs> no, but the, the question is bad kicker, a bad year. And um, I'm going to say it's bad year. I don't think he's a bad kicker. I think kickers are um, head cases. Absolutely. You've seen, and, and uh, Pat McAfee on his show uh, did a, a quick segment on this because it was following uh, Dan Bailey, the kicker for the Vikings, former Cowboys kicker, I believe he missed four field goals like very badly and um so they were talking about kickers the mindset of a kicker and he, he was a punter but either way he he was explaining that um a lot of kickers go through this they go through these dips where they they get the they get the yips um and the the good kickers the kickers that you see in the league that have been in um that have had uh long careers and he mentioned Graham Gano um they're able to weather these down moments and uh, eventually excel. Now, Graham Gano has played for about five different teams because short leash, right? Kickers always get a short leash. Um, if you miss a couple, if you have a couple bad games, you're cut and bring in the next guy. But Graham Gano has been able to weather those down ticks and then come and he's had, uh, you know, he had a great season for the, the Redskins. Um, I think he's with the Panthers now, but he's, you know, he's performing well again. So I have to think that that Jake Elliott is in a down uh, point. And he's got the ifs, but he's in a unique situation where he's under contract. So he might not get the affordability of a you know a new uh, a new team. So we can only hope that this is a bad year and that he can uh, be strong enough to to come out of it. But <laughs> how are you feeling about Wienerface, Matt? Yeah, just want to uh, lay on the sting a little bit more. Uh, you're, th you're 
talking about uh, journeyman and Graham Gano. How about we throw it over to the journeyman Cody Parkey, who is now kicking for uh, the Cleveland Browns. Cody is 20 for 17 at 85 percent. Uh, uh, Say that again. 20 for seven, 17 for 20. 17 for 20. Um, he has a uh, 85% uh, record and He's got a 115% uh, <laughs> accuracy. Sorry, Matt. Uh, and our uh, our be- <laughs> our beloved Jake Elliott is only at uh, 72% on the season field goal percentage um and then extra points he's uh he's missed two this season uh and those have to be made those have to be made uh cody is at 94 percent on the season so you're talking double doinks here i i know but it, it just sucks a former eagle who is performing better yes it may be a down season and the justin tuckers of the world are hard to come by but the guy gets paid and he's getting his money so i don't know maybe maybe the pressure's off of him and he doesn't feel the need to uh you know put in the effort as as we talked about uh earlier mike anything to add i don't think so but i i'll just say kickers kickers are such a fickle thing in the nfl and at some point uh, this season during one of the podcasts, I said, what a random like emphasis this sport places on the ability to use your foot um, to accurately kick a ball. And I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm still under that. Like uh, it just seems random to put that much emphasis into that one thing. And I think that's what makes watching bad kickers or, kickers with bad accuracy problems uh so frustrating so 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 to to iggy's question bad kicker or bad year for jake elliott even though you hate all kickers apparently yeah damn (laughs) i would love to have justin tucker on this team but he's taken (laughs) jake elliott um, jake elliott bad bad do you think he's he's, yeah is is he just struggling or is this who he is gosh i i I don't want to say bad kicker i I just think this this is what it is for a lot of people. So we'll just say bad year. I'll, let's I'll hope. Say bad year. Let's hope because we're locked in regardless. All right, let's move on to the defense. Uh, the Eagles defensive line eats in this game. Five sacks. Uh, it was spread around to everybody. Uh, probably the most crucial was Josh Sweat, who is just really coming on. Uh, I'm just going to whisper this again because you know I've bashed Howie. Fourth round pick. Guy's looking really good. Josh Sweat is looking really good on the that's field, nice, making plays nice constantly. Um, I would, I personally feel that his strip sack was the end of that game. Uh, and I don't even know when it happened. I'll tell you that right off. I know it wasn't in the first quarter, but, um, I, I just felt like that was kind of the beginning of the end for the saints. Um, the other thing that's been really impressive to me has been Hargrave. Uh, in the last couple games, he really seems to be kind of figuring it out in this defense. And the Eagles this week did a podcast with Dave Spadaro, where they interviewed Hargrave and asked him about basically the scheme differences between the three, four and the four, three and how his role changed, how his sort of decision-making changes when he's on the field. And he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, 
as I was switching from three, four to four, three in a four, three, you're basically allowed to do all the things that as a defensive lineman, like in youth football and, and all the levels sort of leading up to the pros that you're told not to do, just get off the ball and get at the quarterback. And that was a big transition period for him. But Hargrave to me is starting to really shine through. I mean, he is another guy, how he gave a lot of money to, um, he had two in this game against the saints. He's up to four and a half on the season. He did suffer a pec injury earlier in the year. I do think that and the scheme change has really changed. Uh, I'm sorry, has really sort of stunted his growth a little bit as an Eagle. But since then, he's been really coming on. I think Hargrave is really starting to develop and I'm seeing him flash a lot. Um, man, Fletcher, the Fletcher gets after it again. He does that awesome crawl after he makes a sack. Um, he's uh, one sack and one tackle for loss against the Saints. He's got five sacks in five games. He is playing with a purpose for sure. Um, we've been wanting this. We've talked about it on the podcast. We've talked about the difference between wanting it to show up versus, you know, he's still creating pressure um, versus the stats being there or not. They are there now. He's clearly rolling. Um, and, you know, let's hope it continues because the Eagles are going to need to lean on their defense. And speaking of on the back end, things are getting really, um, iffy disrepair happening with the personnel. So Darius Slay, I believe is still in concussion protocol. I don't think he's been cleared yet. Um, Avante Maddox, uh, Doug originally said was out for at least a couple of games. And I believe this afternoon, I got an update that he was put on IR and there's only three games left in the year, obviously. Um, so there's going to be a lot of question marks, uh, in game against the saints, Jalen Mills moved, um, from safety back to corner. Uh, at some point there was a, I think a, a rush that McLeod did, uh, at Taysom Hill. And as he was finishing up his rush, uh, trying to slow himself up, he tore his ACL and he'll be done for the season. So, uh, Roddy McLeod, really a leader on the defense at the safety position, uh, picked up where Malcolm Jenkins left off. I thought Rodney McLeod was having really a, a career year for himself, a career year uh, as an Eagle, and really maybe one of his best games that I've seen him play against the Saints up until the injury. Um, and I do think that the, the defensive backfield became a target after he exited the game just because of his leadership presence. But um, we have to hope that a Kayvon Wallace, who was drafted this year, is going to step up, that they can find some stability because, in my opinion, uh, beyond Darius Slay, there's a real lack of identity here. I mean, you got – Nicole Roby Coleman, and then a bunch of backups, basically. So uh, the Cardinals, who we're going to talk about coming up here in this game this weekend, the Eagles travel to the desert to play the Cardinals at 4.05. They have a lot of receiving options uh, who pose threats to the Eagles, and one in particular with a, a long storied history versus the Eagles, and that's Larry Fitzgerald, who's uh, certainly bound for the Hall of Fame. And we, we can certainly talk about Larry. I do think that uh, in the last game the Eagles played, uh, which was in 2017, and they completely uh, blew out the Cardinals from what I remember, that he, he really didn't make much of an impact. And I remember thinking then that he looked like he was starting to slip, but he still makes plays all the time. Wouldn't be surprised to see him do it on his home field. But the, the guys that really worry me are uh, twofold. The first, obviously, is DeAndre Hopkins, who the Cardinals traded for in the offseason, uh, who's just one of the best receivers in the NFL, just dominant. Uh, but also Christian Kirk, who can really run uh, and who's kind of shown this year that he can be a downfield threat. So I think the Eagles are going to be in a position where their backfields, even if they have Darius Slay, is really going to be put to the test. And that lack of identity, you know, they really need to find some roles for everybody and fast uh, if they hope to hold up. Because as I've heard a lot, the um, 
Cardinals plan is just going to be to set four wide and just let them run and, and just let them beat the Eagles DB. So they're going to need to contain somehow. Um, but beyond that, the Eagles have struggled against mobile quarterbacks and Kyler Murray is really one of a kind. Uh, I, I think that the games this year against Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield um, have kind of exposed the Eagles defense and they, they really need to toe that line between managing Kyler Murray and then also sort of creating pressure. And the biggest thing that I'll say for that is that I really think that this emergence that we've seen from Javon Hargrave is going to be a huge benefit to the Eagles in this game. He's coming on at just the right time to be pressuring a young, uh, I want to say Kyler Murray's like 5'9", a smaller built quarterback, right? We're not talking about a bigger guy. Um, and the, the pressure, as we've talked about on this podcast, the quarterback's struggle with the most is pressure up the middle. I think Javon Hargrave is coming on at a great time. Um, I do think actually to flip back to the Eagles defense, I do think Malik Jackson may have had some kind of injury coming out of this game. I don't know what his status is. So even more important that Javon Hargrave have a good, uh, a good game. As we know, uh, Fletcher Cox has been coming on strong. So beyond that, I, I know that the Cardinals do have uh, a couple options in their run game in Kenyon Drake uh, and Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds may be on, um, maybe injured. So I'm not sure what combination we'll see there, but obviously Kyler Murray poses his own running threat. Um, what's it going to take fellas? And who's your defensive player of the game? What's it going to take to, to stop this offense? Cause I think that's where they can really do damage all but four. I will say their offensive line is not great. And I think if our D line can get uh, after them, that'll be it. But Kyler creates on his own. So, or sorry. Uh, yeah. Kyler Murray is able to create on his own. So uh, I'll open it up to you guys. What what do you think here? And who's your defensive player of the game? Yeah, uh, yeah maybe I'll start out, out off with this one. Um, I mean, I, I really would like to see, and, and I think I heard something today about Darius Slay is progressing through the concussion protocol. And as you were just saying. Um, you, you are correct, Mike. He did. He was limited in practice today. Okay. Um, so hopefully that's a good sign of what's to come on Sunday and hopefully he can play because we do need, we really do need Slay to be in this game in order to stop DeAndre Hopkins and, um, to, you know, curtail some of the bleeding that could happen if he's not in there. I think, um, you know, given, given what's going to unfold, and kind of seen a rise out of this player. Um, I, I really kind of secretly liked how this player has um, gotten moved around on the defense this year. Um, not being too boisterous in the media about his play. And um, the past couple games, I, I think I've just seen like an, a real nice intensity and, and fierceness out of, out of him. And um, it's going to be the Green Goblin. Um, you know, I really think he's going to step up in Rodney's absence uh, this week and and have a big play, maybe a, a really impactful play. Um, I'd like to see him come up with a, either a, a hit for a fumble or an interception. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's a good pick, especially with the uh, the injuries and the uncertainty in the in the secondary there. Um, Mills, I guess, is kind of the now de facto leader. Uh, especially if Slay can't go. So he, he's going to have to step up whether he's playing 
Fitz or DeAndre or playing safety. You know, he might he might play all three uh, against the Cardinals this game. But, um, you know, I think I think Kyler Murray is severely overrated. Um, I think he has flashed enough to show why people think he's talented, and um, he he is talented, of course, but. Um, they've kind of had a, a Jekyll and Hyde season. They started off pretty strong. They had a, a stretch of games, and I think two of them were nationally televised. Um, but it was definitely that overtime win against the Seahawks where he, I think, threw for 350. And, um, you know, I think he ran probably only for 50, 60 yards, but he really shined. Um, but then they – Hill Mary? Yeah, yep. But- Game winner on the Hail Mary. Yep. Yeah. Um, or no, I don't think that was the Hail Mary one. I can't remember who the Hail Mary was against. Let me think about it for a second. The Bills? Maybe Bills. Was, yes, yeah. Bills. Yeah, yes. that was the Bills. Yes. That's a good um, But either way, he like he has these the, he's had dynamic games, dynamic plays where um, you know, you uh, but okay, so going back to it, like they had a great first half of the year, but then they just lost like four or five. Now they're coming off a win against the Giants and the Giants have been playing well, but like, I don't know. Uh, I, I I think in order to contain him, it's going to have to come from the defensive line. And Chris, you 100%. mentioned this. It, it has 100%. to come from the line. And um, I think part of that is, yes, pressure up the middle, but it's also not biting on every play action, every counter, um, every misdirection that we've been accustomed to, I think, this year. So um, I think if the defensive line plays great, stays home, you can contain Murray, force him to throw it, force force him to throw it. Um, and so I think for that reason, because I think the the D-line is so important for, for containing him right now uh, or come, come Sunday, uh, I'm going to steal your guy, Chris, and I'm going to take Josh Sweat. I think – and you can take him too because, come on. No, this that's guy, that's this, great, man. That's this, great. No, I, I think I think I've said this guy's name enough. Um, I'll, I'll go real quick, and then I'll flip it to Maddie. Sorry to cut you off, Andrew, if you have more to say there. But Yeah, no, um, I just I, – you you know, uh, <laughs> we know how you feel about Josh Sweat. And, uh, he's just got, he, he's he, got the craziest wingspan, and he does this long-arm move where he pushes the – the offensive lineman and he just keeps pushing him back and runs full speed with this, you know, huge tree branch of an arm running and, into the guy's chest. And it feels like week in and week out, he's, he's making at least one super impactful play. Um, but, but multiple good plays a game. So love it. Love it. He was, he was going to be mine, but I will say, I've mentioned his name already a bunch, but I, I think Hargrave is going to have another really good game this week. I think he's going to continue to prove himself. He's coming into form. He's getting more comfortable with the scheme. Uh, his stats sort of reflect that. And I think this week uh, against a quarterback who's younger and smaller, uh, facing two D tackles like Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox is, is definitely going to put Kyler Murray in a spot. So let's, let's hope that does create that pressure. Um, I, I like that we're spreading it around a little bit here. That Maddie, who, who do you have as your defensive player of the game, or, or how do they how do they defensively scheme against this? And who's your guy? Yeah, I think we got some good picks here, Chris. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mike. You know, I I do not like the Green Goblin, but you're absolutely right. We need him to step up this game, and 
what a, a game to showcase his skills, especially with uh, McLeod going out. Um, and, you know, props to McLeod, uh, as you said earlier, Chris, uh, second in the team in tackles and just a leader on the field. So if Jalen can, can uh, step up and be a leader on the uh, field for the secondary, uh, I, I would love to see that. Um, you know, it, it, Andrew picks, uh, you picked uh, Malik, correct, Andrew? Uh, Chris picked Malik. I picked uh, Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat, yeah. Incorrect. I picked Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave. And, <laughs> and, How quickly uh, we forget. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, Chris, you broke it down. Uh, a lot of production out of those guys. Uh, a name that you didn't bring up is Brandon Graham. Um, and I, I wonder, and he hasn't had a sack for the last five weeks now. And I think a lot of that can be a tribute to him getting double teamed now because of his success early on the season. I'm not sure if you guys agree or disagree or just the, his play has just slowed down in the second half of the season. He was Um, actually, he was actually asked by Les Bowen this week. He was like, BG, you haven't had a sack in a while. What's going on? He just looked right at the, you know, I'm sure he's on a zoom and he just goes, it's coming. So let's hope, let's hope it's this weekend. Well, I, yeah, I, but I, I think we have enough uh, defensive lineman pick. I'm going to go with uh, Alex Singleton. Uh, yeah. I, I, we need Alex Singleton to have a huge game. Uh, he led the team in tackles last week. He leads the team in tackles overall. I think uh, Schwartz really doesn't usually run a spy uh, on a quarterback, but we need someone to keep an eye on Kyler Murray. And I, I hope even though uh, Singleton is the weak side linebacker, uh, I, out of his uh, peripheral vision, I, I do want him to kind of keep an eye and, uh, you know, step up. If our defensive line gets to uh, Singleton, uh, I'm sorry, gets to uh, Kyler Murray, you know, Singleton could come up with a pick. That's what I would like to see. Uh, I'm going to pass it back to you guys. What do you think of that pick? I, I like that, man. Honestly, the, the linebacker core, which was a gigantic uh, eyesore and, and a black hole, really, uh, for a certain portion of this season, has, has slowly come into form. Um, the other player I want to highlight, and I had seen this this week in a breakdown, that Josh Sweat strip sack which is a complete tongue twister uh, was a total byproduct of one. Of, I believe it was the tight end sprinting downfield and being covered by rookie, I think fifth or sixth round pick Sean Bradley out of temple who yeah. ran with the guy step for step and sort of allowed Taysom Hill to hold onto the ball for it to be uh, stripped away. So I, I think that this is, this is kind of emerged as something where maybe the Eagles had some talent they weren't properly mining. Um, and obviously Bradley's a new, a new player in the fold, but I liked what I saw out of TJ Edwards, you know, maybe get Nathan geriatric out of there and, and see what you can do here. Uh, Andrew, do you have a point there? No, that you, you hit it. That was, that was it. It was, you know, a little shout out, a little nod, a little tip of the cap to the, to these linebackers, you know, they're, they're kind of piecing it together. They're starting to figure it out. Um, but yeah, Bradley, Singleton, Riley, Edwards, I think they're all stepping up in, in different ways. And, uh, you know, that was something that was <laughs> so glaringly a weakness uh, going into the season, especially the first few weeks with, with Nathan back there. But um, let's, get, let's give them their due. You know, I'm not, they're, they're not the be all end all, but they're stepping up a bit. 100%. And they can all run. And that's something that's going to be tested this weekend against the Cardinals. Right? Exactly. Like, like Matt was saying, you know, at, 
facing a quarterback like Kyle Murray, you're going to need your linebacking crew to really step it up this week um, in order to limit what he's able to produce in terms of the running game. So let's talk about when the Eagles offense gets on the field uh, and what they're going to do with Jalen Hurts at quarterback starting his second game. So before Jalen Hurts is the offensive line, which, as I mentioned earlier, will be in its uh, 14th different lineup with Matt Pryor, at right tackle, uh, Nate Herbig at right guard, Jason Kelsey at center, Isaac Samalu at left guard, and then Jordan Mailata, who has continued to shine. I can't say enough how much I've been impressed with this guy who didn't even know what football was uh, three or four years ago. So really has come on uh, after being taken on kind of as a project and actually developed instead of like, oh, he's a project, he gets shelved and then he just disappears uh, into the ether. But can this O-line survive? And, and the D-line uh, of the Cardinals does, does pose some threats. I mean, they run a 3-4 defense. Obviously, Hassan Reddick has had uh, some real success over the last couple of weeks uh, and really against the Giants. I think he had five sacks just in that game uh, and was really dynamic, another Temple product. But um, do you think that the O-line will be able to hold up? I'm a little nervous about, about Matt Pryor. I, I'm not so sure about this. I mean, we've been really lucky to get by. They had a stellar performance against the Saints, but I think on the road, this is a tough ask um, against a team that's, that's been productive on defense. Yeah, I, I think you said it. Pryor's the weakness here. Um, that left side seems pretty strong. Um, it's it's going to be the right side. That worries me. And I don't know. Do you put a... Does that mean Miles or Boston stays on the right side and chips a little bit more? I don't know, but um, I, I hope it's one of them, honestly. And 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 if it's not, you know, I, I guess it'd wind up being Goddard. But I think Goddard can do some real damage in this game. And I was going to talk about him later, yeah. but you know, between Hassan Reddick, the the Cardinals, also Jordan Hicks, former Eagle, that uh, couldn't seem to stay healthy when he was here, but certainly was a good player. And um, I think they're going to be in a, in a situation where both those guys can stand to have a big day uh, against the, the Cardinals linebackers and, and especially Goddard because of the size difference. I continue to use this reference, but he's just a moose in the open field. He's just a, an, an animal running wild. So I think let him do it uh, in this game. But behind the O-line, knowing that Pryor is going to be kind of the weak point, Hurts, I think, needs to pick up right where he left off, continue to be decisive, uh, use your legs, uh, deliver under pressure. I do think that um, the Cardinals, uh, I, I believe defensive coordinator is Van Joseph, who's the former uh, Broncos head coach. And I, I think he'll probably bring some pressure against Hurts to see how he responds. You know, the Saints in the third quarter of that game last week really did shut Hurts down. So they're probably going to look at some of those things uh, as ways to sort of restrict his running and force him to throw the ball. Matt? Yeah, you got to think uh... – <laughs> Jason Kelsey has to show up to practice on Monday and get into the huddle and say, oh, okay, this is who I had this week uh, to the left and to the right of me. Uh, it's it's got to be comical to him by now. But, you know, I you, you want to think that the, these guys are used to it now in some aspects. Uh, it's been different every week. So hopefully they're just, you know, it is what it is. And they have that mentality that's um, – the, these are our starters this week uh, on the line, and we, this is how we have to approach it. I'm comfortable with the five guys that we have starting this week, but God forbid if one of those guys get hurt. We have no depth right now on the offensive line. We have Brett Toth um, at tackle, and we have a Luke uh, Jerga uh, who backs up Kelsey 
we really don't have a backup uh, guard. So if if any of these guys get hurt, uh, I, I we're we're in Fight trouble. End. Yeah, that's alarming. Yeah, that's an alarming lack of depth in a road game that like this of this caliber, um, especially for the 14th version of your offensive line. Uh, yeah, I, I, what'll be 13 games? I think to Matt's point, I think if Gritty showed up uh, on one of these Sundays and said, "I'm your starting guard or tackle," they'd be like, "All right." Give him a shot. He's freaky looking. Uh, if nothing those, else, he'll probably just keep him back with the googly eyes. eyes. <laughs> with the googly eyes there. Great pass protection. Um, <laughs> I, I personally, I think what I mentioned earlier, thank you for your points, Matt. I think the other thing, you know, is that because of uh, what was really a limited third quarter in this game against the Saints because of their adjustments at halftime, and Sean Payton's a good coach. Uh, obviously, he saw what was going on and um, they were able to really restrict Hurts. And if, if the Cardinals defense chooses to do the same thing, he's going to be forced to throw the ball. And we need a wide receiver to step up. Obviously, you know, we were all kind of shocked by that uh, back shoulder fade to Alshon Jeffrey. It was a great catch. It was a great throw by Hertz. Um, but we're going to need a consistent uh, receiving threat. And, you know, it could be any number of guys. I think Greg Ward's really been looking for a week where he can shine through. He's, he's had some weeks where he's just been so-so or has dropped punts or any of that kind of thing. He hasn't been uh, quite as solid to me. But I want to see more development from Jalen Rager, and I want to continue to see him used in different ways. Uh, I want to see him have some opportunities. I think he probably will be the guy matched up against Patrick Peterson, who's the sort of focal point, I think, probably of the Cardinals defense. Uh, A guy who, I guess, in my opinion, would be a Hall of Famer in terms of, especially in his early years, uh, considered one of the the few kind of shutdown corners, but is an older player now, but probably will be put on Jalen Rager, uh, who's a rookie coming out. And I think he's starting to emerge. And I think he feels a certain confidence as a young player playing with a fellow young player uh, with whom he has a connection prior to coming to the Eagles in Jalen Hurts. So I'd really like to see him shine uh, both in the horizontal game, maybe taking a slant a long way uh, or a screen a long way, but let him, let him throw it downfield too. Don't, don't forget that Rager has that speed to just straight up beat people off the line. Um, but I think that's all of our hope for Rager. A player that we saw emerge and sort of disappear is, is Travis Fulgham. And where did Travis Fulgham go? Matt, did you have a point on Rager? Yeah, let's not uh, forget about his 19-yard uh, end around, the jet sweep that he ran uh, against the Saints. Um, I love that play. Uh, we see it once a game. I want to see it uh, two or three times <laughs> a game, especially with uh, now Hurts uh, quarterback. You can run a um, – play action off or you can run you can do a lot more with a uh, mobile quarterback so uh keep running that play Chris we mentioned that earlier and the benefit of having that mobile quarterback you know as a presence and the benefit for someone like Jalen Rager I mean the play that comes to my mind against the Saints is this double crossing route where Rager's running this way Fulgham's running this way they slap hands on the way and Rager runs to the outside catches the ball and I think it was like a 40-yard run something like that. And it didn't even look like he was trying when he was running, you know, 20 miles an hour or whatever. So I think the guy's got unbelievable potential, but to go back to the point I mentioned before, Travis Fulgham was one of the few bright spots of this very bleak 2020 season at a point and was the um, highest graded uh, had the most yards of all receivers in the NFL for a four game stretch there. Where has this guy gone? I know we've seen more of Alshon, but it, is this it? Is this is this it for Travis Fulgham, or do you think that there is another glimpse that we get this year? I'll, I'll just kind of couch it at that, Andrew. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, let me let me start off with a with a quote I uh, picked up from uh, Kevin Kinky from uh, Crossing Broad. Um, he he said, <laughs> but recently the Fulgham situation has been giving off terrible Dom Brown esque odors, a pungent and mostly unpleasant aroma, and it is a brutal brutal line. But it I knew really when you brought this up that it was going to be a comp <laughs> that I like couldn't even handle, and it, it was even more extreme than I. That's thought. why I that didn't mention so it awful. before. That's why I didn't mention it before ah. the um, it, it, because it, it it does almost feel like that, right? Don Brown had this – he made the all-star team, Don Brown. He was leading the league in home runs. He is out of the league now. Um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, the, the Fulgham thing seems more of a mystery to me. He was such a high-targeted, uh, dynamic player for a couple of weeks, and then to go from that to literally no production, um, it, it just seems strange to me. Uh, maybe it, this is the reason why he's bounced around a couple teams. Maybe this is why he – um, has only been on the practice squad. Um, maybe that was a flash in the pan. It, it didn't feel like that at the time. It really felt, you know, uh, with an underperforming team. Um, and he was making dynamic plays. It wasn't like these were lucky, like little dink and doinks. He was, you know, making great, great catches. Uh, and, and for really 152 nice. against Pittsburgh at the time, the best defense in the league. Undefeated. I mean, that, yeah, that speaks like, to it. Yeah. So I, it's a strange thing um, that that quote leads me uh, feeling differently about the situation. But um, who knows? I, I I don't know if I have an answer. Does it, does anybody think they know what the? Uh, well, let's just let's just here? let's just go to what Doug said. Uh, Zach Berman asked asked him this exact question: Why is Travis Fulgham seeing reduced playing time? Doug said Alshon Jeffrey is healthier and playing better. Um, right from Doug's mouth, uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit more to it, but right now he feels more confidence in Alshon. Um, not sure what it is in Travis's game that's preventing him from continuing the success he had earlier this year. It doesn't make um, much sense. Matt, uh, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, I don't think it's going to help him uh going forward either that hurts is starting i think he had much better chemistry with wentz and wentz was quoting saying quoted saying that he had chemistry with fulgum had developed a rapport and now you have a new quarterback in there uh that doesn't have that rapport and you know maybe rely on a veteran like alshon uh to uh to get the ball to, but it, it is, it is crazy. It is a mystery. He, his snaps had gone from 73 per game through the Browns game to 37 to 25 to 11. And he had half as many snaps Sunday as rookie six round pick Quez Watkins. So he, he said something wrong to the wrong person. Like he did yeah, something he, wrong. He upset somebody. He, well, he and did it, upset it, someone. It makes you wonder if it's justifying a contract kind of a thing where it's like, you know, they gave Alshon this money and Travis Fulgham's kind of a, an, an undrafted player. But either way, it's it's something that sort of, to me, Fulgham, what I was seeing from Fulgham was a, a player who, when the Eagles had nobody in their receiving court, everybody on defense knew where the ball was going and Fulgham was still making catches against really good defense in a, this is my term, but like a gimme that sort of style. He's a give me that kind of receiver. When he was really good, he's like, I got that. You, there's no chance you're going to get this ball. It's mine. 
he had that kind of presence and, and, and I don't know where it went. And to me, there's a, a chance that the Eagles are underdeveloping, excuse me, a player here, because I think he was in a spot uh, where he could have been really impactful. One more thing before we get to offensive player of the game, and that is Miles Sanders. Can he follow up what he did last week with that kind of performance? It doesn't even have to be an 82 yarder, but is he really able to uh, have that production? Because I do think on the road with a rookie quarterback in his second start against a team with the success like the Cardinals have had, I think that they're going to lean on Miles at least at first. I wonder if he's able to to produce that way. And it doesn't just have to be on the ground. I think he still poses a threat as a receiver in the bubbles and and you know tunnel screens and all that, but also downfield. And I haven't seen as much of that this year. So um, I'm just going to say I think we all hope that Miles Sanders is a big factor this weekend. I'd be very surprised if he puts up the same numbers. But, I mean, if him and Jalen Hurts both go for over 100 yards, this game is absolutely a win. Um, so let's get to offensive players of the game. We talked about a few different factors here, but who are you guys seeing, Andrew? Um, this is not by any means a sexy pick, but this is Jalen's game. This is Jalen's game to win or lose for the for the birds. It's um, Jalen. Uh, hurts. <laughs> Good question. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts' game to uh, to take here. Um, he still ha- he he's shown that he has the skill set to to take advantage of um, opportunities presented to him, um, both by his arm and his legs. And I still think defenses aren't sure. There's still that like uncertainty factor. There's not a lot of tape still. Yes, one game, but you can't scheme an entire defense around just one game. And I think the Eagles, I hope the Eagles are smart enough to switch up the, you know, offensive scheme a little bit so that it's not as predictable. Um, he has the ability to, to take control uh, and, and to, to handle this game. So um, while I do think there's a monster game for one of the tight ends, uh, I, I do think it, this is Jalen's, uh, this is Jalen's game. Mike, who, who are you thinking? Um. <laughs> Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go with somebody who's, I think, I think is a really hard worker and um, we've seen a little spark from him uh, within the past two weeks. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take Greg Ward to have a, uh, a, a big game, 100 plus yard receiving game and a touchdown. Um, wow. I think that wow. I, coming, out party, coming out party for Greg. Yeah. That's a, that's a career game for Greg Ward. My goodness. There, there's something I think that Greg Ward being a hard worker and Jalen Hurts also being a, um, I mean, they were both quarterbacks. It seemed like they both had a lot of respect for each other in college. Um, They're familiar with each other's games and apparently they're putting in a lot of uh, work with one another during practice, after practice, as Doug has kind of mentioned during uh, this week. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of breakout. Uh, and I think it would be with Greg, Greg Ward, if it's going to be like the call, Mike, I like the call. I mean, out in green Bay, that touchdown, that's a trust throw. I mean, Greg Ward wasn't there yet. He threw the ball. Greg Ward wasn't there yet. So that's clearly, Mm -hmm. I think they have a dynamic too. Like I mentioned about Jalen Rager and Jalen hurts. I'm pretty sure Greg Ward and Jalen hurts also ever. They're just Texas. You know, um, I think both went to Texas high schools and and Texas colleges or former quarterbacks. (laughs) Right, right. Well, one's a former quarterback. Well, one's a former quarterback. One's a right. <laughs> Matt, who you have your offensive player of the game? Uh, I'm going Dallas Goddard. 
Uh, yep. Dallas Goddard has been consistent uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, he's been hitting that uh, 40 to 50 yards, um, just getting his touches, getting his catches. Um, I, this is for another podcast. I don't think Gertz is back next year. Goddard will take over as the main tight end. I think he's uh, slowly coming into that role. We've seen it. He's second on the team in receiving yards. Um, and I, I think as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, um, you know, we're going to win the game. Uh, I think we see a touchdown out of him uh, in the red zone. So Dallas Goddard is my choice. Chris? Let me just jump in there, Matt. How much of that pick is based off of um, maybe a prop bet that might be placed on uh, <laughs> over-under yardage for Goddard this week? Uh, Mike, great question. And yes, a lot of it is based off that because I have put the uh, over on Goddard for the last four or five weeks and it has consistently hit. <laughs> so oh, here's, here's some, you know, an added layer of uh, complexity, you know, your history this season picking on the podcast has not been stellar. Um, Mike has really been the guy. I feel like I don't know if we've kept track, but I feel well, like Mike's well, the my question to Matt is, you know, a couple. now that you've picked Goddard, on this podcast, are you, are you still going to go with the over? Oh, I, I'm, I'm pounding the over, Mike. I think my defensive player of the uh, week has failed more than my offensive player of the week. But, uh, yeah, you bring up a good like point. It. But no, like uh, Dallas will not fail, and you better take the pick too, Mike. Chris? All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of close this loop as far as offensive players of the game go. And I am torn because I, I for some reason, I, I'm having this feeling like even though Miles Sanders had a big week last week, that he's going to show out again this week and he's going to be leaned on, excuse me, uh, for the Eagles team going on the road here to, to face the Cardinals out in the desert with a rookie quarterback. So part of me wants to go that way. The other part of me says Jalen Rager has been coming on and it's, it's time for a receiver to step up. And, and I, I don't know if that's kind of wishful thinking. So I'm going to, I'm going to go against uh, my gut, which is to say Miles Sanders. I think Jalen Rager might have a breakout game here. Patrick Peterson is an aging player. I think they will be matched up and Jalen Rager runs 22, 23 miles an hour at top speed. So let him, let him do his work. Um, I still do think Miles has a great day, but before we wrap does, up does here. Rager get a touchdown, Chris? I think Rager, I think Rager gets a touchdown. Mike's, Mike's going Greg Ward, a hundred, 100 and a tutty. I'll say Rager goes for, um, I'll say 78 yards in the touchdown. How many rush yards does he get? I like that question. I think he's probably going to wind up maybe doing an end around or two, but not getting much. But I think Rager goes for a big punt return in this game. No, he gets Ooh. a huge block by Dallas Goddard on that. <laughs> that, that won't count. <laughs> So, so real quick, before we get into score predictions, and we're going to talk about uh, sort of the Eagles standing and what their playoff scenarios are, but Matt wanted to break things up with uh, some fun over-under. So, Matt, do you have maybe one over-under that we can get to uh, to kick around the group here? Maybe something we haven't touched on. Ooh, something we haven't touched on. Uh, well, they do have uh, – Vegas currently has Jalen Hurts over-under 210.5 yards. Total total yards? I'm sorry, uh, passing yards. Hmm. I think he had what a buck sixty, buck 60, seventy, almost a buck seventy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, that, if, that's but a tough if he one. goes through the air like Mike thinks, 
uh, I mean, he could easily hit the over. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, especially to Greg Ward. If he's going yeah, like that, Greg Ward. Greg Ward has um, 100 yards. In I'm gonna, the I'm gonna, I'm not thrilled about saying this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's a little under that. I don't think it's very much, but I just think two. What was it? Two ten. Uh, it was two ten and a half over under. Yeah, I think it'll be just a little bit south of there. I think he'll have a better performance the last week, but I don't think it'll be that much better uh, personally. I think he'll do great on the ground, though. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with Chris on that one. I think so, the, the the Cardinal secondary is pretty strong. Um, on the ground, they have him at uh, 57 and a half over or under on the ground. Over. Over. That's, that's a that, – yeah, that's a pound the over. That's a pound. We're all saying over. And, Chris, something we haven't touched on, Zach Ertz. Over or under 26 and a half receiving yards. I like the line on that. That's good. I do. I do. That's, that's what's troubling, isn't it? I mean, especially in the face of Goddard and all, all the production he's had, but Ertz has had a couple, just like he could get that on one catch. I'm going to say on, over. On like a, a third down where you have uh, Hertz rolling out of the pocket. And... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say over. Uh, and I think probably on maybe like two catches. Um, two longer, you know, third down type catches on the seam or something like that. But, um, but no, it's against my gut. No shot. No shot. Andrew says under there, Mike, you're our deciding factor over or under 26 and a half. Zach Ertz. Is Mike frozen? Oh, I think he's frozen. Mike uh -oh. is Simon got him. Us. Uh, so Simon I got him. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, We'll have to see what Mike winds up saying there. Mike, oh, you're back oh. with us. Over. Uh, no, I'm going. I'm going under on uh, Ertz. Okay. Okay. Under. Okay. Um, I think that's probably the logical thing. But if we see that, you know, Ertz is also remember he's probably aware of his situation. He wants to sort of up his stock as best he can. So he's still a guy who can get open. Um, and I think with Goddard taking more of the attention, having more of the good recent tape, it's a chance. Uh, and I'm not saying it would be. 100 yards for Ertz, but I, I think it could be maybe 30. And if the number's 26, I'm, I'm going the over there. But I could see that scenario. Okay. Um, let's talk about the Eagles' playoff situation just briefly because there's a lot of uh, talk in Philadelphia about what should happen with the Eagles, how they should fare. And obviously, in a town that experienced the Sixers tank, uh, we're conscious of the draft benefits of sort of losing out at this point with three games remaining in the season. So, I'll couch it this way. There was a tweet, uh, and I, I cannot give credit. I, I screenshotted it without uh, seeing who did it. Uh, this says, oh, actually, it's on here. Uh, it's Dennis, Dennis Selman 33, at Delman, Dennis Selman 33, uh, kind of broke this down in a scenario. So that if the Eagles are able to go 3-0 and in their remaining games and win out, they would still need the Giants to lose at least once, and the Giants play Cleveland, Baltimore and Dallas. So that's possible. Mm -hmm. And they'd also need Washington to lose at least once of their next two. And that's Seattle and Carolina. I would say that's also possible. Mm -hmm. The Eagles would also stand to go two and one, which would also have to include beating Washington. And they'd need the giants to lose twice. Washington to lose the next two to Seattle and Carolina and Dallas to lose at least once in their last three games. So the Eagles, for all intents and purposes, obviously that's a breakdown, but they are still in it. Uh, and the remaining schedules for the remainder of the division are difficult. So moving forward, 
there's a bigger question here about what you value as a fan. Do you value that draft pick or do you value, you know, what could happen moving forward here? And I think the Eagles are in too much of a position to make the playoffs for me as a fan to say, no, I don't want them to make the playoffs. Um, Having said that, seeing some of the players who are available in the top 10, top 12, it's pretty appealing. So for me as a fan, it's, it's sort of a tough split. I'll say that after this weekend's game out in Arizona, things should be a lot clearer for us. But by the same token, it's a complicated situation because of how bad this division has been uh, all year long. So I'm curious for you all, are you in that same position where you're like, let's just see what happens because that's, that's kind of how I feel, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Chris, the Cowboys still have a chance of winning the division. Uh, it's, it's crazy right now. And uh, they call it the uh, NFC lease for that reason. I don't know. I, I'm going to have a tough time seeing a banner raised with a tie on it. Uh, it, it's and a, a losing record. Uh, it, it would be tough to see that banner raised next year if we do wind up winning the division and seeing that hang from the rafters, um, you know, in the stadium. So, yeah, uh, I go into every game wanting the Eagles to win, and that's my mentality as a fan. But uh, it's, it's a really difficult decision because we could get a, a good draft pick. Um, I, so at, at the end of the day, I want to see the Eagles make the playoffs no matter what. Um, it doesn't matter the draft pick next year. Hey, maybe we get hot. We win a game. Yeah. It, it hurts, uh, Howie's chances of getting fired in the long run. Uh, but I am a, uh, win now fan. So I want to see the Eagles win out. All right, Andrew. You said some conflicting things there because I did life of an Eagles fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, I, I will agree with you that I will go into every game uh, supporting the team and hoping that they play well, but I don't want them to win another game this season. I want them to get a top five pick. We have zero money next year there. We cannot, put a Band-Aid on holes next year. This is a great point. This is a great point Andrew's making right here. The value of the draft pick because of the cap situation. Exactly. And that's my, my main reason you with a top five, top seven pick, you can get somebody in there that is not a project that we've had. It's it's somebody (sighs) that can come in and actually provide some value at positions that we need impact so while i hope jalen hurts throws for 500 yards we play a great game everybody succeeds but we lose by one in overtime i'm okay with that i i want to see the the pieces that we have now play well per game but i don't necessarily want to win those games and i know jason kelsey's going to scream at me because he just came out and blasted the tank now i'm not saying we tank I'm just <laughs> because I'm hoping that we try our best and play well and that we see positive uh, things, but I don't want to win another game, to be honest with you. I okay. want I want a top pick and I want somebody that can come in that we're not going to be able to 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 buy in free agency. Well, in the opinions yeah. we I think you make a really good distinction, Andrew, yeah. right between wanting to um, 
tank and between trying to win but ultimately end up losing trying your you would like to see the eagles try their hardest and come up short um essentially and you know there's there's definitely a distinction between the two because um you're exactly right jason kelsey you know brought up culture what do you see amongst losing teams uh in terms of culture they don't try to come out and win every game and they have many years of losing seasons. That's certainly not something we want to see creep into the Philadelphia Eagles seasons where we have to experience another uh, process like the Sixers went through and, you know, try to rebuild this team. That would be painful. And I don't think the Eagles fans would allow it. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a challenge as a fan. I think it's a dilemma. You know, we we used the word conundrum earlier. I think it's it's just that for a fan. I <laughs> my gut right now, coming off of that Saints game, is I'd love to see what Jalen Hurts can do in the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah. And this division is bad enough where it's possible. Part of what makes this such a difficult question is that in so many other situations, the Eagles would have been out of it, but because of the way the division fell this yeah. year that they're in a position to still get in the playoffs. As Matt said, even the last place uh, Cowboys still in a position to make the playoffs. Honestly, I want to, I'm going to watch the game this weekend as we all are, and we're going to be invested. My feeling is that the Eagles are not good enough to beat the Cardinals. And, uh, and that'll sort of reflect in, in my score uh, at the end here. But, you know, my feeling is that it's, it's going to be, too many factors that the Eagles rely on beyond their own three and O that they need to actually get them into the playoffs. And if that affords them a better draft pick, which they desperately need because of their poor cap situation, then so much the better. So I'm right there with Andrew right there with Mike thought you articulated it really, really well. And it's a tough attitude to hold because if they win this weekend, yeah, I'll be excited. And if other things start falling in the playoff direction, yeah, I'll be excited. But ultimately, it's a, it's a difficult position as a fan to be in because it's going to take some real heroics uh, by Howie here to negotiate the cap and really make the picks that are necessary, which he has not done. We've touched on a couple of moves that he's made tonight, Jalen Hurts, Josh Sweat, uh, that have, have panned out. But ultimately, he's got more in the bad column than the good as a GM. So uh, lots of question marks there and real, a, a real dilemma, as, as we've said, for, for all Eagles fans. But let's get to final score predictions. The Eagles travel to Arizona this weekend to play the Cardinals at 4.05. What is your score prediction, Andrew? Um, I have this uh, 28-23 Cardinals win. Um, the Cardinals are, are still, I mean, yes, we are also fighting for the playoffs, but they, I think, feel that they're more, um, you know, in a in a dog hunt for, for the playoff spot. So uh, I think you'll see them try pretty well, but I, I, I think they're a bit overrated. I think our D-line steps up to make it competitive. I think Jalen Hurts helps make it competitive, but they just have too many weapons, and I don't know if we have the right answers. Um, so uh, they won't blow us out, but uh, they will They will wind up taking this victory, 28-23 to 23 Cardinals. 28-23, all right. Uh, what do you got, Mike? So I think this is going to be um... – Definitely a close game, as Andrew's predicting as well. Uh, two teams that are, you know, in position to be basically be fighting for the playoff spot. Um, I see the final score winding up being 22-21 Eagles with Doug going for two <laughs> to win the game. 
uh, on a final touchdown drive, which would just... I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to ask, uh, can somebody, I think I saw the line at six. We didn't really kind of say it is at six right now. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to check. I think that went up from five and a half. I think it opened. At yeah. Five. And it's been moving throughout the week. Um, I think it was at seven and a half earlier. Wasn't it? Might've been, might've moved since then. I'm not sure why people are favoring the Cardinals so much in this game, to be honest. Um, okay. I don't understand why the lines is set that high. I don't know what I'm missing, but yeah, no, I think this will be a close game, especially coming off the performance that the Eagles uh, just put up. Matt? Yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, win. And I wanted uh, – I'm going at 31-28 Eagles. And we're going to have a Jake Elliott's – Field goal to win the game. Oh, oh wow. my God. Come on. Come on. God. Uh, Come on, that guys. would make sense, though. That does make sense. It how, does many, make how, many sense. how many hoagies have you had tonight? In, in this, it's been a good long time. this crazy year, we need it. It's going to happen. <laughs> Only in 2020. Yeah, I, 2020 would allow for both Jake Elliott having the year he's had and that at the same time. It really <laughs> would. But um, I'm, I'm going to go, as I mentioned earlier, I, I do think that the Eagles had a great performance last week. And I think that Jalen Hurts will have a great performance this week. I think he'll have a much better throwing performance this week. Uh, and he'll be forced to, um, by virtue of the fact there's a little bit more tape out on him, but there's a number in my head, 34, that's been kind of sticking out. So I see it, the Cardinals 34, uh, on their home turf, the Eagles 31, I see them playing a really close game and a lot of the things that we talked about happening, including Dallas Goddard, uh, Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders going off. I just think that the combination of receivers that they have with the Cardinals is something that the Eagles should seek to build after. There are role players there. It's clear uh, who the identities are and how they're functioning within the context of the offense. The Eagles really should look at that as something to model after because they don't have that. They have sort of a, a mess of different receivers of different ages, and they don't really quite know how to use them in their offense. And they really rely on their running back and their tight end to make most things happen. So I think it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk um, and Larry Fitzgerald, unfortunately, who are going to do uh, yeah. the damage um, and lead the Eagles uh, in my book anyway, at being uh, four, nine and one after this game. And uh, Mike and Matt are seeing a victory, which would leave them at uh, <laughs> five, eight and one. Uh, but Andrew's also seeing a loss. So we are completely split down the middle. But we are hopeful and we're excited from what we saw from Jalen Hurts. So we'll take a look at the game this weekend, come back next week. Uh, and the Eagles, I believe, would play the Cowboys. Is that right? After um, Cowboys, after the Cardinals, next I think, is next. Yeah. Um, and are still very much in the playoff race. So, you know, we'll see what the situation is at that point. But, uh, fellas, good job tonight. Likewise, good to be back with you guys. talking about the Birds. Go, go Birds. Birds. Let's go Birds.